So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Ho, 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 man fans! Ollie Man here with the Modern Man Christmas special. And here is what we have coming up today. There aren't enough hours in the day. You're constantly having to make priority decisions about who you spend time with and who you engage with and who you're involved with. It's the most wonderful time of the year and also the most stressful for the inner city vicar keeping it real this Christmas. Plus. Careful, you'll have some of my eyes right in my face. As per tradition, Ollie Pierce joins in with Alex's festive foxhole. We play Sexy Crackers, Bango, and Name That Smell. Oh, and there's a few surprises in store regarding a certain Christmas single, too. It's all to come on this edition of The Modern Man. But first, as in every good magazine, your letters. Uh, hello to Jem, who says, Ollie, not only did the Sounds of Christmas get another download this week, but you have also gained yourself a new man fan off the back of it. I sent my mother the link to episode seven, and now she's hooked on the podcast. <laughs> I thought perhaps she'd just listen to your interview with Martin to understand why I was supporting the song, but she stayed on for the full foxhole treatment blimey, uh, and then messaged me to say how much she loved the rapport between the two Ollies. Yesterday, I showed her how to subscribe to her very first podcast, yours, and downloaded some of my favourite episodes to her phone to get her started. She was thrilled. <laughs> that is great stealth marketing for the show, Gem. Thank you very much. Uh, if anyone out there has older relatives who aren't necessarily familiar with all of the apps on their phone, uh, do feel free over this festive period, that can be your Christmas task, to simply pick up their phone at any time you see it lying around. It's probably got a really easy code on it, one, two, three, four, something like that, and subscribe them to this show. You never know, they might enjoy it, and every download helps. Um, Jem continues, uh, it is my mum's birthday on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day, on Christmas Day, and she deserves a double celebration. I'd love to get her named Manbassador for Long Ditton and West Wittering, as she lives between the two, so she'll often be listening as she travels to the beach and back. <sighs> there are a few problems there, Jem. Uh, firstly, as you might imagine, the Christmas Manbassadorship is perhaps the most hotly contested of all. We'd had plenty of requests before yours came in, and I'd already promised it to a rival in return for some beer money. So uh, you'll have to stay tuned to the end of the show to find out who the Christmas Manbassador is. Um, but also, Jem, if you were a true man fan, as you claim to be, uh, you would know that Long Ditton, a place I'd literally never heard of until three weeks ago, was in fact, three weeks ago, uh, in episode seven of this series, awarded to Bav. He is the ambassador for Long Ditton. So although it's really interesting to note that if ever we go on tour, we should totally stop at Long Ditton because there's lots of man fans there, which is weird. <laughs> uh, I can't give your mum uh, Long Ditton, even if I wanted to. However, as it is Christmas, Jem, here's what I'm prepared to do. I will make your mum Pam the ambassador for Long Ditton and West Wittering. That's the best I can do. Happy birthday, Pam. 
and Jesus. Uh, Right, let's get on with this episode because there is a lot of fun to come today. Uh, In this Christmas special, you will learn which celebrity voice Ollie Peart has just roped into our Christmas single. It's exciting. You'll learn why popcorn played a role in my teenage fantasies, and you'll learn why you shouldn't open a cafe on the Caledonian Road. Let's go. He's really here, the true spirit of Christmas, Ollie Peart, songwriter. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, spirit of Christmas, I like that. And you're the spirit of Christmas present, I'd go as far as to say, because uh, your hit song, The Sounds of Christmas, (laughs) has really gone down phenomenally with our listeners. People have been tweeting me endlessly. My Mm. Twitter has never been so lively. I mean, that's a low bar, let's be honest. Yeah, okay. You couldn't even get a blue tick when you tried. People have been sending in their favourite lyrics... Joanne Robinson, Unjingle the Bells, yeah, Boil the Chestnuts in Stew. Yeah. Stew. That's the stew. stew. What's nice is that people have been taking the opportunity to promote the single of their own accord as well, not just buying the song. But I've noticed there was someone who was organising a gig in London and they even made a handmade sign with the Samuels Charity logo on it to tell the audience that were coming to the gig to buy the song. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and the thing is, because is lots of people do charity singles for Christmas and other times of year, but the song is actually good. That but could be the, the proper title. We should have thought about that. What, no one you know, cares? The Sounds of Christmas, open bracket, this song's actually good. Because it is, you know, an assumption, isn't it, that the charity songs are going to be a bit shit, but this one's actually quite good. Major recording artists should maybe try that as well. So yeah. you could Ariana Grande with her song, what's it called? Next You, brackets, this song might actually be quite good. Yeah. Close brackets. Yeah, well, just, it, you want to reduce any friction for people pressing play, don't you? Yeah, sure. In fact, whilst we're talking titles, can we be clear? Because we've said it both ways over the last six weeks. Yeah. The song is not Sounds of Christmas. The song is The Sounds of Christmas. Yeah, and that's kind of my fault a little bit. So Philip Mark sent us a song called Sounds of Christmas. Yeah, just sounds, no the. Yeah. and then But uh, including the lyrical hook, The Sounds of Christmas remind me of you. And I started calling it The Sounds of Christmas. I don't blame you for that. And then when we were getting the artwork done for the single, Terry Saunders, who's the guy that did the artwork, he also put The Sounds of Christmas. And because that was the artwork associated with the track... We had to call it The Sounds of Christmas. <laughs> OK. We've had a fan of the song, Ollie. Get in touch and send us the following voicemail. It's a voice you may recognise. Ooh. Hi, this is Jim Taylor, occasional member of Reverend and the Makers and a long-term man fan. I've been happily devouring Ollie Man's output since uh, 2007. I've just realised I've just said I've devoured Ollie Man's output. Apologies for that image. I, As some of you more eagle-eared listeners will know, I was the one who sent the challenge for Ollie Peart to write the Christmas song, not quite expecting it would take on the life it has. I was inspired when I saw him put a clip of himself drumming on uh, Twitter, so slightly disappointed that he didn't play drums on the final recording, although I have to say the drums are excellent. Also very pleased to hear that he realised that 12A isn't um umpapa, but it is the staple Christmas beat of da-dum, 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 dum used many times by Mariah Carey and Slade and Wizard and many others. Anyway, it's a wonderful tune. It's been stuck in my head for days now. I think it's got a good chance of making the top 40, if not uh, higher than that. So big props to Ollie Peart and the rest of the team. Have a wonderful Christmas. I'll speak to you all soon. Goodbye. Big props to Ollie Peart. He talks about chart position there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jim, thank you for that. You're welcome to devour my output whenever you like. Gross. Why don't you update us on how it's been doing? So since it was released, I've been keeping tabs on Amazon chart. And yeah, the when you say tabs, charts. you literally mean you've got 15 open tabs at all times. Yeah, refresh, 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 right? <laughs> and on Amazon, we got to number four. Did we? Number four. Was that like two in the morning or something? No, that was in the middle of the day. People I'm just were imagining you it. there in your pants drinking. 
<laughs> and then suddenly like, number four! I wasn't, We're number four! Was actually, like the guy in the Titanic who saw the iceberg coming. <laughs> I was actually on my knees polishing a floor, but that doesn't matter. Were you now? I was. And on iTunes, we got into the top 20. The top 20, Ollie. Okay. No, iTunes no, shows. No, come on. No, no, listen. No, no. no you, you listen, listen to, me? to No, you listen to me. Whose show is this? Whoa. <laughs> now, that is really impressive. Genuinely is that for a moment, we were number four in the Amazon charts. Mm-hmm. But that is one moment in time, isn't it? The chart gets refreshed a lot. And that's just about one platform. That's just about Amazon. It's just at that moment in time in this country, we were the fourth most popular song for people to download on that platform, right? Yeah. Talking it down here a bit. No, no, no. I'm just being honest. I wanted to find out where we were actually placed in the overall download chart. Okay. Because the download chart itself is then only part of the overall top 40 that gets compiled, right? So Mm -hmm. at the end of the week, the official chart company top together the download chart together with the streaming chart. And correct me if I'm wrong here, 100 streams is worth one download, and then there's CD and vinyl sales to factor in as well. That's right. So it's hard to know where we are, even in the overall chart, but I thought where we are in the official download chart, yeah. you know, would give us a steer. And, Ollie Pitt, I can tell you that you are inside not the top 40, but the top 30. Ooh, that is good. really a thing, is it? People tend to talk 40 or 20, but still, you're at 29. And I genuinely think that's amazing. Because it does mean almost... I don't know how it's going to work out with streams. A lot of people are streaming last Christmas by Wham this time of year. Sure. You'd still think that would mean that Jim's right. We're going to be in that Christmas top 40. But but when they compile the rest of the stuff, that could then change. It could, because there could be 20 things that are more popular than that on streaming sites. Yeah, gotcha. That aren't even available to download. Okay. Yeah, so everybody that's bought it now, they've got to persuade all their other friends to buy it as well, because they got until midnight on Thursday. That is the cutoff. Let's call it 11.59pm to avoid any confusion. Oh, no, no, no. Let's say 11.45 so there's 15 minutes leeway. (laughs) Make sure you definitely buy it. Just just in case you go online, your router's down or something. Set a note. Yes. Write it in your file of facts. We'll say half 11. 23.30 on Thursday. Buy the song by then to make a difference and to guarantee that we are in the top 40. What happens, by the way, if we do get to Christmas number one? Actually, it's a good point. I'm I'm wondering how many shows I'll get invited on. It'll be on the one show. Yeah, the one show. I think so. Be on there. What should I wear? Your onesie, surely. You're all in one. Yeah, but it's not very Christmassy. It's got the poo flap, Ollie. Gives it, you something to talk about, doesn't it, when the content runs dry? If I get on the one show, because I'm Christmas number one... No, th- this will encourage people to do it. If I get Christmas number one and yeah. get invited on the one show, I will wear a onesie with a poo flap. Talking of the mainstream media, Ollie, mm-hmm. uh, have we had any mainstream media coverage? I know the point was to show the power of podcasting, but it would help, wouldn't it, if we were on Radio 1? We do. Craig Parkinson has mm-hmm. got it onto the Chris Hawkins early breakfast show on Six Music. Okay, that's good. That's going to go out on Wednesday morning. Credible. Also, I did an interview the other day for Four Extra for the podcast Radio Hour. That, that goes out on Friday. That's going out. It's going out. Yeah, Christmas it's, sales. No, no, no. But you'll listen to it and you go, <laughs> he made number one. How cool. Early and also, <laughs> yeah. BBC Radio Solent. Oh, the jewel in the crown. They played us on Friday, so this is day of release, Friday this is you evening. exploiting your connections as the sometime traffic and travel boy for BBC Radio Solent. That's right. Your local radio station. Yeah, are you allowed to do that? No, I don't think you are. I'm pretty sure it's a breach of BBC Trust guidelines. What uh, did you do? Did well, you just write to a contact and say, play my song, or no. I won't turn up on Friday and no one will know if the train's running? I didn't say that. So I do a bit on a, a show called The Early Late Show. I do a tech bit on a Wednesday evening. Uh-huh. Listen, oh, 7 till 10, Steph Newenhouse. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and I just messaged Steph and I said, look, I've released this song, will you play it? And she messaged me back and she no <laughs> she, she, she said no because nobody will know what it is like it's and, 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 and no yeah but then she called me up about half past six just before the show and she said 
I've just seen that your your song is in the iTunes chart. Yeah, damn I'm right gonna she play did. it. Have you got any info on it? Wow. And then she played it. Now Ollie on WhatsApp today got in touch and said, "Look, Steph, this this is going big." And I'm looking at the screenshots he sent me. Uh, you know, it's going like top. It's gone top ten on Amazon. I thought he was just sending me like a list of his playlist and he was winding me up. But this is actually happening, people. Uh, so it's by the podcast All Stars. It's called Sounds of Christmas, and it's available to download from today. Out of my lonely bed in the morning. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Eating humble pie, something I'm not prepared to do. No, it's delicious. And some people have been writing in to say they've not heard that beautiful ad that I made last week mm. live on the show that yeah. was going to be inserted on other podcasts in the Acast network. What's going on there? Well, I'll be honest with you. Why it not? A, it, it was a bit of a ploy. I just wanted a recording of your voice for my own personal use, which I now have. <laughs> You're creating a rival to Siri. But the advert does exist, and the advert will start going out on the Acast network across the podcasts that were involved and others that have opted in. And because you wouldn't let me play the drums on the record, I'm not letting you do the advert. So I've decided to get somebody else to do it. Wow, that's not humble pie, that's fuck you pie. Yeah, that's a big, fat fuck you pie. Do you want to eat it? Yeah, sure, I'm ready to eat it. Sure. Feed me in my ears. This is The Sounds of Christmas. The charity single featuring your favourite podcasters. And all in aid of Samuel's charity. The Sounds of Christmas. Buy it now. You could stream it 100 times, but really it's easier to buy it because that helps get it into the charts and raise more money. Fuck off. <laughs> Have you got Mark Goodyear doing our ads? Mark Goodyear. Oh my God, that's amazing. How good is that? That's the best thing you've ever done. Radio I'm actually, royalty. I'm right no, I'm, there. I'm in awe. Yeah, you're sweating. You've you're got really a, excited. No, I'm, I'm really excited. Come on, if you're going to get a voiceover guy, like, no one's better than that for a chart-based thing. So you don't feel bad about it then? No. Good, like good, if good, I was going to be replaced by anybody. No, I didn't feel bad about Kylie's drama like, either. I'll tell you what, like, even if you'd got like Peter Dixon, you know, like the X Factor guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, him. Even if you'd got that, I'd, I, on the show I'd have to be like, oh, wow, Peter Dixon. But inside I'd be thinking, oh, it's a bit crass. Yeah, yeah, because dumb. he does like PPI ads. You know, you've got the fucking goodie, eh? Hey, yeah, there you go. That's amazing. So that'll be going out. So if you listen to no, the No, it's po- over. I don't want to talk anymore. It's oh, all right. done. That's so the best one. thing ever. So how can I don't you- care. Like That is the best thing that's happened on this show. All right. The international listeners have no idea why I'm so excited about this. But anyway, he was the sound of the charts for yes, about... Yes, he was. Well, for our entire lives. And he does the Now adverts. Yeah, he still does Now That's What I Call Music. Yeah. Which I think most people recognise his voice from that now. Yeah. I wish you could have got him to say... And now that's what I call a Christmas single, but I imagine that would be burdened it, with all kinds of legal It doesn't problems. matter how good the thing is that I do, no, no, you still I, find no. a way to just talk it down. No, no, Ever so that, slightly. That's really oh, good. it was good, but... No, Ollie, no, I'll be clear with you. Banning that word from you. That's much better than everything else you've ever done. Collectively. I've got some news for you as well that mm. is potentially even better than that. Really? It's Christmas, yes. so I wanted to break this to you face-to-face in person. Okay. So, as, of course, you are well aware, I'm talking to the listeners now, mm-hmm. uh, we are raising money for Samuel's charity by selling this song, The Sounds of Christmas. (laughs) And uh, if you don't know who Samuel's Charity are and you've missed that bit on the show, listen back a few episodes ago uh, and I did an interview with Martin Lieb, who was Samuel's dad, and the charity's named after him and you will understand why we're raising money for that charity. They're an amazing charity. Now, do you remember, Ollie, what the realistic, ambitious target was that we set with Martin? I think we sort of said three to four grand, didn't we? Yeah, so I said, look, let's be realistic. We'll make 300 quid or something. What can we get for 300 quid? And he said, we can buy some tablets, which will really help in children's wards because kids can look at Facebook and watch Netflix and stuff like that. And then he said, but the thing is, if you raised 4,000 pounds, that would be amazing because we can buy an AccuVane. Yeah. 
Remember what AccuVein was? Yes, it identifies the veins in the arm, right? So you can find the vein without causing too much distress. Yeah, so he said basically it's a huge difference, particularly to children in hospital, is if you can find their vein quickly, it doesn't hurt so much, Mm -hmm. basically. And that would be an amazing thing to be able to raise money for. If we could get anything close to four grand, that would go towards buying an AccuVein. Well, he emailed me this week to say that an anonymous man fan, and they've chosen to remain anonymous, and he will not tell me who they are, he will not even tell me their gender. But one of you out there has already pledged the full four grand to buy an AccuVein for Samuel's charity. That's incredible. Isn't that, that amazing? That is incredible. I genuinely, I had a tear in my eye and a lump in my throat oh when I read that email. Oh, my God. Yeah. Who is it? I know, I know. <laughs> it went away. And although the best thing you've ever done is get Mark Goodyear to voice that advert, mm-hmm. that is, without question, the second best thing that any of us have done this week. I'm going to put it up as the best. You've actually you've made a difference, Ollie Pitt, in this endeavour. Yeah. Well, no, I haven't. I think everybody at home has. And that guy... Or woman. Right. You're not wow. actually Noel Edmonds. Oh, come on. You don't have to. I'm, this no, is but it's fine. But I just, I just do this and, and, and we've put the song out and it's fine. But if people hadn't got behind it genuinely and they hadn't donated and they hadn't bought it, and if people don't buy it, then it, it, we won't make a difference. No, so it is down well, to the people buying so, it. But the amazing thing about this is, what, regardless of what happens with the single and how much money we make with the single, and we'll, we'll be able to update you all on that in the new year, mm-hmm. we have already hit our target, thanks to one generous listener. And we genuinely, you know, through you guys all listening to this pointless conversation over the last eight weeks, we have genuinely made a difference to children with terminal illnesses around the country. It's the first non-pointless zeitgeist episode <laughs> yeah, exactly. ever. You've achieved something. We've achieved something. We've helped someone. So thank you so it much. weird. Whichever man fan that was that yeah. made that donation. Yes, and thank you to everybody else that's bought the record as well, of course. Yes, and what we don't want to do is in any way for the momentum to slow up now because people think well you've made your, you've made your target let's smash that target let's get two AccuVanes yeah yeah if anything it's an incentive to get more yeah not one not two not three yeah, let's, right. let's, what, you know, no come on let's not overpromise this is why I went for number one we've, and look where we are yeah, okay. always go for the top Ollie and even if we get halfway there it's better than nowhere isn't it alright but the important thing is even though each single only costs 99p and you might be thinking why am I buying this when some guy's already stepped in and contributed the full four grand? Really, for a small charity like Samuel's Charity, every single penny counts. Yeah, it does make really a massive does. difference to the lives of children living on wards. So thank you so much, and please keep buying the song. It's really important that you do it now, because everyone who thought they were going to buy it has now already bought it. Yes. If you if, haven't if, yet, if you do haven't it yet, now. Yeah, do it now. Stop. Pause the podcast. This feeling of Christmas and goodwill to all men and women will continue, Ollie, mm-hmm. because you're about to hear my interview with a vicar, and then... The Festive Foxhole. Ooh. This is like a Morecambe and Wise Christmas special. But first, what could be more festive than our record of the week? Would you like to introduce it for us? Yeah, of course I would. Our record of the week this week, written by Philip Mark Anquitil and Ollie Piat, available <sighs> to buy right now, is The Sounds of Christmas by Podcast All Stars. As you may have noticed, 
it is Christmas time. Uh, and typically at this time of the year on the show, we like to feature a seasonal story. Uh, in previous years, for example, I've interviewed one of the nation's most prolific Santa Claus performers. Um, I've spoken to the man who writes the majority of the nation's pantomimes. Uh, and this year, producer Matt and I were sitting around brainstorming what else could we do. Uh, have we spoken to the guy who designs the department store front windows? Uh, or is there someone somewhere that writes cracker jokes or something? Um, and then one of us said, um, oh yeah, Christianity. <laughs> That's a thing at Christmas time. It's quite a big part of Christmas for a lot of people. And we got chatting about what it's like being a vicar these days, because we all know that church attendances across Britain are dropping. What we don't know is whether that's demoralising, does it make it harder? Essentially, what is the life of a clergyman or woman like these days? So, to find out, I went to St Andrew's Church in Barnsbury in London to meet Reverend Jessica Swift. And I started by asking her what her typical week looks like. If we were to pitch with Sunday, because that is a pillar day, it starts with coming here to the church. We have two services, so gathering together as a community, leading the worship, inevitably um, the conversations that spill out of that, and then move on to take communion to people who can't come to church, so go to visit people in their homes. Yeah, now that's something people just don't really think about as part of your itinerary. How many people is that? Kind of six or seven. So that's six or seven individual trips that you do after you've done your sermon, after you've done the chatting, you go around to individual people's homes. And of course, giving them communion isn't literally knocking on the door and saying, here you are, is it? It's a social visit, right? Yeah. Uh, it, for different people, it's different things. And for some people, so there's one woman who has been a part of this community for many years and now has advanced dementia. So the social aspect won't necessarily be as strong as it might be with some other people but in terms of what she recognizes in her life as soon as the bread and the wine come out that is a moment of connection That's so there's so she, does she recognize you as as the vicar sometimes yes sometimes no if i'm wearing my dog collar sometimes she'll recognize that i think does she recognize me personally individually i'm going to say probably not all the time but will she recognize the symbol and ritual yeah definitely what about the rest of the week? So I'm a part of a theological college. So every Monday I spend time with students who are training to be vicars. I'm also involved with our local school. So we have a local primary school that the church has a significant role to play in terms of governance, but also engaging with that community. So going in and doing assemblies and spending time in the classroom, supporting families. I mean, I feel like my life is a life of meetings. Some of that presumably is just administrative, right? Yes, there is definitely a huge administrative load. Because if you think, for example, this building, just running this building, having it open and accessible to the community, having the groups that come in, organizing that and making sure that it's a safe place mm. and all the processes, policies and protocols that have to be in place for that. I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge administrative load. There aren't enough hours in the day. You're constantly having to make priority decisions about who you spend time with and who you engage with and who you're involved with. And yeah. Well, thank you for giving us your time. Uh, so I'm sitting in this room now, which I don't know quite how you describe this room. Is this an office? It's my office. Okay. With Christmas decorations, Sunday school stuff, sound equipment. So it's got a beautiful kind of stained glass, stained glass window, window and a tall, win tall ceiling, as you'd expect in a church. But otherwise, it is just a small office. And I noticed that in the corner, there's a big cupboard marked Toys. Now, that's because you have a Montessori here and a playgroup here. And there are also multiple playgroups that come and use the building through the week. So the building gets used. It's 
you know, both commercially and for community use. The reason why it has toys on this particular storage area is because this used to be a Sunday school room. So we right. also obviously have our own kids groups, Christian kids groups. Because I, I notice you haven't gone the whole nine yards, if you like, and opened up a cafe. That seems to be the trendy thing at the moment for a lot of churches, doesn't it? To raise some cash and be open to the community. Have you thought about that? This particular community, like along the Caledonian Road, the cafes come and go all the time. Yeah. So there are three million cafes. They've We had pop-up cafes and pop-down cafes. So if we're actually thinking about financial ve- venture that will help subsidize the church, we wouldn't go cafe. Because you wouldn't actually want to steal resources away from the local community by taking away a commercial operation. And also it's not that viable. Yeah, because there's so much competition. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. If we're talking about a convening place, like a cafe, a convening place for people to come together and to meet together, then we wouldn't have chosen that to do that in this place as a way to connect people together, I guess. But it's, I'm right, aren't I? It is a sort of burgeoning trend, that. Well, there's two things. Number one, it's churches having to think extremely creatively about how they sustain themselves financially. That is a reality that most churches are facing. Um, So that's part of it. But also there is a trend of thinking about what does church look like? What is the heart of church? Are there creative ways about how we can think about how people live and learn faith? And so having a fresh expression, which I think is the vocabulary around it, which is thinking about, well, what does it look like? Should we be doing it around a coffee cup? Should we be doing it in this style, in a discursive style rather than a... Yeah, those are questions that churches are asking up and down the country. I mean, I have experience of it because I went with my wife and my son for a day trip to Cambridge. And there's an area of town there which is noticeably kind of like a student area and there are more immigrants there. It's clearly the place where rents are more affordable than in the centre of town. And we happen to park there and we happen to go for lunch there. And we walked past a cafe and I almost didn't notice actually that it was in a church. We went in and we had an English breakfast and then I thought, oh, we're we're not just next to a church or, you know, sort of adjacent to a church. We are actually in a church. church. We're in what used to be the foyer. And through that door is the is the church and if someone had a funeral here their coffin presumably would come through this area and if someone got married here you know their dress would be trailed along the floor where I'm sitting having my breakfast and it felt kind of odd at first especially since I'm not Christian that there I am sitting eating breakfast in a church but what happened is the local reverend noticed that she hadn't seen us before came up to us and said oh are you from the area where are you from yeah And we got chatting and once she'd sussed that we weren't from the area, she sort of backed off and said, well, thank you for visiting. But I got it. I understood that what she was doing was creating an opportunity for people who might not even see themselves as religious at all, who for whatever reason are vulnerable and need help and have just gone in for a cup of coffee. And she starts talking to them about something innocent. And it was very clear that after a minute or two, some of these people were talking about their divorces. They were talking about bereavement and whatever. I mean, so we're moving into the Christmas season. At the heart of that is what we would describe as the incarnational birth of God right in the midst of us. And I think there's something of that, that our churches are wanting to be at the heart of their community, at the center of it all. If that is a cafe in the middle of their building, I think that's part of what it is, the kind of boundaries for people to come and... Boundaries is a useful word, isn't it? Mm. Do you think being in an old building like this is in itself, even though it's beautiful, a boundary for some people to connect with you. One of the great, I would say, advantages of being 
a vicar rather than a something else is that there is a soft boundary. If you were struggling and you want to see your GP, you have to make an appointment. If you wanted to see a counselor, you make an appointment. Whereas if you just want to trip in and talk to somebody, we see people who have just had a baby and are thinking about a christening or a baptism or wanting to hire the building for a party or people who have run out of food, which is happening more and more often and aren't sure where to turn, who have don't have enough money for their gas and electric and aren't don't have any idea which direction to turn in. You know, it's the whole, it's the cross-section of life. Talk to me about the food banks because I think some people sort of almost treat it like a uh, contemporary phrase that you hear on the radio but if you're not affected by it if you've never been to one you don't really understand the desperation that some of those people feel yeah so food banks are places where if you don't have enough food then you can go and get the food that you need and it's hard to predict when you know you if you aren't going to have enough food so if for some, something kind of turns up and you don't have enough money at the end of the week and you also have no food in the cupboard, then it can be a desperate situation, particularly if you have kids that you're trying to support as well. And it's hurtful to a lot of people's pride, isn't it? Oh, it's brood. I mean, the burden of financial debt is... I think people experience a huge amount of shame around it and expectation of what they should be doing. So that food banks are a place that you can go... It's easily accessible. You don't have to make an appointment or that you can just, there's no judgment that everybody is welcome, uh, I think is really important. And do you feel in a way that you have or anyone could have in your position adequate training to deal with some of those things? That's part of the creativity and the joy of the job. Can you be fully equipped for every eventuality of life? I mean, no. The I was going to say the Bible verse that kind of comes to mind, which sounds deeply evangelical and maybe big apologies for that, is, you know, we're called to... Cr- <laughs> you're you know, a vicar, you're allowed. Exactly. To laugh with those who laugh, to cry with those who cry. You know, we're here to journey with people. And so if I feel like I'm out of my depth, then I have no problem to say, I think I'm out of my depth. What, have you considered going to go here? Or what about this? It's an interesting area, this, because as we sit in this square in Islington, and people who don't know the area will just hear me say the word Islington and think of posh mm. you know you look around the square i'm sure the houses here cost one two million pounds each mm. and yet you walk down the street to caledonian road i just walked up from king's cross and actually the shops are all full aren't they? they're all tenanted out but they're not full of customers there's obviously a dearth of people here and there's a lot of social housing and a lot of very poor people here but do you get both of those kinds of people coming here and how do they interact one of the beautiful things i would say about being a community a parish church is that this is one of the very few places that people who are literally neighbors but who live completely different lives because of their social demographic will actually cross paths so it w- i would say that that's one of the things that is like one of the most beautiful things about this place and this community this worshiping community is that it is a place where people share lives together who are totally like have completely different lives. What do you think is the biggest misconception people have about vicars? So I've been ordained for 17 years, coming up to 17 years. I've always been in Islington, so I've always been ordained, like always been in churches in Islington. And the place that I did my first job in, my curacy, I think I was the first woman that they had had under the age of 30, I think. Anyways, and so the local newspaper wanted to do a piece on it. And so they sent a, I was interviewed and then they sent a photographer. And so when the photographer came, he said, oh, I'm looking for, I'm looking for Jessica. I was like, oh yeah, that's me. They're like, no, no, Jessica. I was like, yeah, no, that's me. And uh, so he was a Latino man. And he was like, you could be a lap dancer. 
I was no. like, yeah. So I was thinking, I'll take this. He's like, just confirmed you are the vicar and he yeah. said you could be a lap dancer. Yeah. So I think the kind of the misconception is, I mean, maybe it's perennial that vicars are middle-aged men. Mm. That might be part of it. So I reg- I still regular, even though I've been doing it a long time, I still regularly get, are mm. you a vicar? And does that actually create a problem when certain types of parishioners want your help i'm thinking i guess of older men do they have trouble sometimes seeking help from a younger woman i think if they had a problem they wouldn't necessarily come you know it doesn't come to me and it's one of the benefits of working in a team so you know there are we are four of us who work together and so the benefit is is that we can we can share things and there'll be things that somebody would feel more comfortable to going to them but somebody might be feel more comfortable coming to me about and that's the benefit of all of us being different again a kind of a previous church someone coming up to me and said i think you'll notice i've never received communion from you and i hadn't noticed (laughs) i just hadn't noticed what was the thinking i mean why did he presumably say that so that he had real difficulty receiving from someone who was an ordained woman yeah yeah there are still some schisms aren't there around i mean gay bishops for example is the female vicar still at grassroots something that the congregation are going to take a while to get used to, do you think? I think it depends on your experience. So when the Church of England was going through the vote of women being bishops, which happened a few years ago, so not that long ago in my time of being ordained, and the first time it went through General Synod, it didn't go through the election. So they had chosen that women couldn't be bishops and then it went through a second round of elections so when it didn't go through the first time on sunday here someone came up like a few people came up to me and said did you realize that women can't be bishops in the church of england anyways i was like yeah yeah i totally realized i think it was news for them and it depends on if you've what experience you've had in terms of leadership in the church i would say What's your congregation on Christmas Day going to be like? I'm looking for a number here. In the Christmas season, we have a Christingle service on Christmas Eve. Are you familiar with Christingle? Oranges, candles, fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, so it's definitely targeted to children. Mm -hmm. And that is our best attended service of the year. Oh, really? Christmas Eve? Christmas Eve, four o'clock. This is the place to be. It's heaving. Like 400 people. Yeah, candles, oranges, health and safety mayhem. (laughs) So fantastic. Like, it's beautiful. It's brilliant. It's crazy, but it's great. And do some of those people almost sheepishly approach you? Kind of, I'm sorry I haven't been here all year, Rev, but, you know, we love this service. Because some people feel like that, don't they? Like, they should Uh, come more. I, uh, I get very little of that. I get a lot of the, nice to see you, we're here again this year, hi. Right, okay. Yeah. We're here to celebrate Christmas, and that is very welcome. And is it? Because yeah, what's your, absolutely. What's your, not, of course, you're, of course, you're a vicar. You're going to say it's welcome for you to celebrate Christmas. But is there a part of you that thinks, yeah, but why aren't you here at Easter? Why aren't you here in the summer when there's no one here? Why aren't you here helping us? Why just come? Why be a glory hunter? Why come for the big day? I mean, that is just so cynical. No, I mean, Christmas is brutal. Like, no matter which way you cut it, Christmas is brutal. It's stressful time for families. It's ridiculously consumerist in our culture that people have as a part of their Christmas kind of celebration and tradition is to come to church and hear the story of God being born in our midst. Everything I'm going to, like, celebrate with that. cling on to that. I'm celebrating with that. It puts pressure on you, though, doesn't it, to deliver a sermon that really encapsulates something that feels Christmassy enough, but also has all the values that you try and get through the rest of the year when there aren't so many people here. 
So this is my take on it is that, and this is true of like of lots of encounters, particularly if you have a one-off encounter, maybe some of the things that we have already talked about, somebody just coming to the door, kind of cold call kind of thing, that, that this interaction is genuine and honest, that their experience of being here and the encounter of meeting me or anyone else in the community, that their response is, if, when things are good or when things are bad, this is a place that I don't mind coming back to. That's what I'm. That's what I'm pitching for. That it, there's something that resonates. This is a place that I can come back to if I need to. And how do you react to the kind of confession from your congregants that they don't believe in it actually, but they're here for the tradition. They like the old buildings. Their mum came. That's why they're here. But if you ask them, really, is there a life after death? They'd say, I don't really believe in it. Is there a God? I'm not really sure. Nah. I mean, I say most people, there's always a crack. There's always a, there's a, there's the, I'm not really sure. I'm not sure. Yes. I'm not sure. No. I just have met enough people that when, it, you know, when, if the things are really difficult or facing a particular challenge, they have more faith than they, than they know how to articulate. Do you mind me asking how much you get paid? <laughs> I mean, you can ask, I'm not very good at, uh, as you can imagine, I'm not in it for the money. So it depends on what you mean. So we get a stipend, not a salary. Is that right? Mm-hmm. What's so, the reason for that? So a stipend is a living allowance. Mm-hmm. So it's not, this isn't a job, it's a vocation. Yes. It's not a career, it's a life. I mean, you get someone to live for free, don't you? That's so that's part, part of, of it. So there's, it's particularly in London, There is, you live in a vicarage. So whether or not you include that as a part of the what you get paid. Mm-hmm. It's a perk. Well, it makes it vi- it makes it possible. Yes, that's what it does. It makes it possible. Okay, so when you say it makes it possible, I, I mean, I d- yeah, okay. what, what kind of figures are we talking? Okay, so in the diocese of London, we all get paid centrally, and so churches contribute to the central pot, and then they we get paid everything gets paid out from the central pot. So and the central pot's called common fund. So I think right now they figure to have a vicar in a parish in London. I think it's like. It's sixty-five or seventy thousand. What do you see? So I see something closer to like I think I hit just above the twenty-five threshold. Right. Okay. So where does the rest go? The rest goes on those part-time staff and facilities and things we were talking about. So it's about. the central thing. So it's like so maintaining vicarages yeah. and council tax. La 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 la. Okay. So even though I don't pay rent, there are still costs involved in that. Do you think? I mean, I, I can hear from your accent. You're from Canada. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you please, because I didn't say America. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know how you ended up in the country, but when you look back, is London the place that you really think it was worthwhile doing what you're doing? Where's the best place to do what you're doing? Oh, gosh, that is such a big question. So I come from a fairly rural part of Canada. I'm from the east. I'm from the east coast. And so uh, when the opportunity came up to be in a church in a context which was quite literally the exact opposite. I was just like, oh yeah, I'm totally in. So there's something around the vibrancy and the creativity and the diversity that, I mean, I don't know if it's unique to London, but it's definitely in London. For me, it's the best place to be. Do you live in a church building nearby? Well, nearby-ish. Yeah. So I'm in Hackney. Okay, so you're slightly scuttled away. It's not so obvious, is it, that you're in the church house, if you like, as it is in some parishes? Yeah. But do you still get people turning up at 10 p.m., 11 p.m.? No, so it's not, no, there's no, I've got no sign on the door that says Vicarage, yeah. Vicar lives here, like red pointing light. No. Does I don't that have make that. it easier, do you think? 
I think that maybe there's expectations. I don't know, expectations that you're lovely to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> What's that pressure like? <laughs> well, I fail often. Yeah. I don't, I don't try to live up to those expectations. I mean, okay, let's take the example of walking down a high street wearing the dog collar and you walk past someone who's raising money for charity. Yeah. I mean, that to the person who's raising money for charity despite the fact they might be effectively paid for the work they're doing and not volunteering they might not have any attachment to the charity and all the rest of it they might think i can't believe it if they could just walk straight past i'm raising money for kids with leukemia or whatever it is yeah there's that pressure surely to constantly be doing the good thing yeah i can't conform to that because then you would just you would die under that kind of pressure you, you wouldn't even be able to leave your front door do you get a lot of freebies when you go into cafes? None. Nothing? <laughs> no. Really? No. You're the vicar? No, definitely no. I'll tell you the reason I ask is because I was actually in a student production of the uh, Beggar's Opera when I was about 17 mm. and I was playing a priest and I was walking around town with a dog collar on because it was my costume. We were between shows. It was a matinee <laughs> and an evening performance and I got offered so much free stuff. I have never had that experience. Literally like, here you are, father, free latte for you. No, I've definitely not had that. And when the Olympics were in town, I'd put my like name in to get Olympic tickets and didn't make any of like didn't make any of the thresholds. So like the one point ever where I've just like I'm taking advantage of the pulpit. I would stand up Sunday by Sunday. If anybody has any free tickets to the Olympics, they don't know what to do with <laughs> even that. Nothing. 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 <laughs> You must get Christmas presents. Oh, yeah. Well, from, from you know, from... Your this, parishioner. Yeah, the parishioner, this congregation, the people who are... This is their church. Because... So what's that? Boxes of chocolate, bottles of port, things like that? <laughs> As I say to my friends who are just starting out in a church, I was like, say really clearly at the beginning what it is that you enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> and what is it for the record that you would like? I mean, definitely chocolate. chocolate. That's definitely the direction I move in, yeah. Reverend Jessica Swift, and if you do make it along to any of her Christmas services, um, do tell her that we sent you. Uh, right, the Christmas spirit will continue next as Alex opens up her festive foxhole. That's after this. It's time for the festive foxhole, cue the music. Christmas time, foxhole season nine, peens for jeans and lubricant slime. Yeah, that could be a number one, couldn't it, Ollie? These work. Do you know what my favourite Christmas song is, Ollie P? What's that? East 17, because I always think it sounds like stain out. Stain out? Like stain out. It sounds like they're trying to remove a stain from oh, a piece okay. of fabric. Oh, OK. I thought you were being Yorkshire. I thought you were saying stain out. <laughs> But anyway... But what you really mean is your favourite Christmas song is The Sounds of Christmas, which I gather you've been genuinely buying for all your colleagues. I have. If you've already bought it for yourself mm. uh, and you're perhaps looking for a last-minute gift uh, for someone you work with or a family member or a, a digital... Here, this is good. ...a yeah, virtual yeah, no, stocking filler, yeah. then you can actually buy our fantastic charity single as a gift for someone mm. else. That's what I've been doing on well, iTunes. So on iTunes, yeah. So you, you, how do you do that? Because it's quite complex, isn't it, to find the little link? Um, I find iTunes complicated, full stop. If you're on the homepage of <laughs> yeah. the music chart, yeah. um, on the top right, <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a little tiny bit of text that says, 
send as a gift. Send as send a, gift. a gift. Okay, yeah, thanks. Good tip. Well, an alternative as well, or I should say an additional Christmas tip I yes, have for additional. last minute festive shenanigans. I've spoken about the charity Bloody Good Period before, who help uh, refugees and asylum seekers who uh, don't have adequate menstrual supplies uh, to get their mitts on what they need for that time of the month. They have got a campaign at the moment going on called Festive Period, hashtag flow ho ho, uh, where you can purchase a light, medium or heavy flow stocking filled with, uh, oh, with tampons, towels and menstrual cups. It was the night before Christmas <laughs> yeah. and all through the house menstruating women went round looking for menstrual cups. Which yeah. one's this? Is this heavy, medium or, or I light? have donated a heavy flow period, oh, okay. period stocking. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. So it's like a hessian. It's Which, like hemp. I should clarify that Ollie P is talking about the stocking, not the tampons oh, the inside yeah. it. Yeah. That would mm. be a bit stingy, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be a bit scratchy. No. Uh, right, it's time for our Foxhole Christmas special. So uh, you write the rules at Christmas time. I have no idea what's coming up. Normally it's a series of games and or products that are disgusting. Well, Go for I, it. <laughs> I thought I'd kick off this year with some Christmas crackers, boys. What could be more innocent? This is my first one of the year. Is it for me and Ollie to crack open together? Or you can pull each other off. Yeah, sure thing. <laughs> oh. Oh god! What have disgusting. you got inside there, Ollie P? Well, hang on. There's a joke first. It's the the formal thing is to put the hat on and read the joke, yeah. isn't it? Your cock ring doubles as a buzzing finger vibe for solo use and pleasure with your partner. Mm-hmm. Simply slide it over your fingers and stimulate your favourite sweet spots. Because mm. inside was a gift of a cock ring. A cock ring. And, and though a, a dice. Die. So how does it dice. work, Alex? Do you know? Uh, it's a vibrating cock ring. It's yeah. a jelly one that will stretch over any uh, any size of schlong. Very considerate. And the die, if you give it a roll, then it tells you how to roll or role play that night. What how are we it having sex, Ollie? Well, let's hang on. Let's give it a go. It's just a heart. No, no, no. Don't change it. Slow, on, and, no, slow no, and sensual. I was happy with the heart. No, I'm happy with sensual. It meant more to me. And slow. Pull Let's your cracker, crack Ollie. My, I'd like you to crack my cracker, please, Alex. <laughs> oh. Get a good grip. Oh. oh! Careful. You left someone's eye out. It's right in my face. Something oh, I've got a, I've eye. got a dice as well. I like the sex dice. and put them in my pocket. And I've got... I mean... That's like a really small cock ring. Put it up your bum and see what happens. Are you sure that's a fingertip vibe? Oh, hold on, there is a leaf. (laughs) Put it up your bum and see what happens. (laughs) Another great lyric missing from the song, Ollie. (laughs) Sorry. It is a finger ring, Alex. You are absolutely right. Sorry, a finger ring. I should be clear. (laughs) Two words. Parsing matters. The hot tip is the blissful boob tickle. Ask him to sit on a chair, then climb onto his lap, straddling him so that your boobs are level with his lips. Mm He can then. I don't know why this is funny, Alex. We're just, very open to all kinds of sexuality the sex here. Tips is he can then level. alternate between soft kisses, nibbles, and licks, and the buzz of the fingering. And you won't hear Mark Goodyear do that. Are you ready for some more festive frolics, boys? Certainly yes. am. Excellent. We'll keep this jolly holly holiday. I must say, going. the alcohol's helping. I don't know about for you, Ollie. <laughs> yeah, I feel great. And if this is a game that appeals to you, these two uh, crackers came from the all-nighter kinky crackers set from Love Honey. Next up, I have a card game for you, which yeah. is now called the Effin' Truth, but it was originally called Bango, as in a sex version of Bingo. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way it works is that every player um, gets a little bingo board, and then you pull cards um, out of the pack which have numbers on them. Mm-hmm. Whoever has that number on their bingo board gets to answer the question or tell a story related to the topic suggested. Okay. And the whole thrust of the game... So it's, it's like game, Truth or Dare meets Bingo. Ollie P, would you like to take the first card off the pack and uh, tell us what number it is? The first number is number one. Ollie P, you've actually got number one you've yourself. Number one, number one yourself. Oh, I have. So does he say Bango then? 
He can if he wants. Yeah, but bang, don't bango. Yeah. Okay, hang on. Do I cross this off? Then? Yeah, cross oh. off number one. Yeah. But more importantly, mm. you have to answer one of the two questions on the card. Okay. Well, will you read the card then, Alex? Okay. You have a choice of two. You can either tell me: Have you masturbated more than five times in one day? Jesus Christ! <laughs> or have you ever masturbated in a way that could be dangerous or harmful to your health? Christ! Wow. Uh, What's I, the weirdest I, thing so you've ever used to wank? Ever used to wank? Yeah. That thing you gave us, that Tenga thing. Oh, did you use that? Yeah, use the Tenga egg. It's the one that's like a massive conical um, vacuuming it's, flask. Yes, yeah, like it's or, like it's like having sex with or, a thermos. Or the one that's like because the one I did try was the one that's like a little inside outy egg. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No. How would you describe the feeling? Uh, sloppy, but it's nice. Well, I'm going to pick a card this time. Mm-hmm. Eleven. Does anyone have number eleven? Ooh, yes, me. Oh, he's got that one as well. This is working well for me. I don't have another one. You've got one. Oh, I do, actually. So I'm trying to cop out I game. wasn't. I didn't notice it. Bango. Fine, I'll take the card. I think he's more trying to cock out. Speaking of which, you get to answer, mm. have you ever, either of the Ollies, masturbated in a public place? <laughs> no. Or masturbated while another person watched? Oh, yeah, the Ooh, second one, yeah. Yeah. I went to boarding school. Pick a card, Ollie man. Talk about something that turns you on, but mm. is embarrassing to admit. I have to admit, I am not really embarrassed by any of my fantasies because I don't think there's anything to be embarrassed about in sexual fantasy, really. In every company? I'd feel more open talking to you about my sexual fantasies than I would, you know, giving a business presentation, for example. Mm. Yes, true. Here's a pie chart. Oh, and by the way... (laughs) I fucked that pie. Do you have anything oh. else for us in your Christmas stocking of filth? This isn't strictly a sex game, but we've spoken in the past about how I have synesthesia, uh, which means, um, in my case, I get olfactory hallucinations. I smell things that aren't there. <laughs> this isn't at all a sex game. <laughs> when, when I... There's no shades of grey. <laughs> You're going to get us to smell stuff. I am segueing perfectly here, Ollie Man. Allow me. I experience phantom fragrances that aren't there when I'm turned on. I have got as a game called What's That Smell? Mm-hmm. Uh, which includes 50 different cards that use amazing micro-encapsulation technology to deliver 50 different fragrances. Uh, and some of these are nice ones, like sugary-based ones or uh, smoky, peaty, whiskey smells. Others of them include, I quote, extra old toe cheese, diaper blowout, definitely not a sex oh. move. Ooh. Is this kind of just basically like smells Pictionary then? You get a card, yeah. you have to scratch it lightly, sniff it, yeah. and then say what you think the smell is, mm. if you have a funny memory associated with that smell, and then you're allowed a second guess as well. <laughs> this and reminds then- me of when I shit myself. <laughs> That is a funny story. Yes. Okay, well, um, it's not a sex thing, but let's do it. It'll be some light relief. Are you ready so, to yeah, play? I'm ready, yeah. Okay, so let's randomly pick three of the cards, one each, and we'll see if we can guess what the smell is. Okay, so I'm picking one up from the middle. So we have to guess what it is. Ooh. Wow, I really... There's absolutely no question that I knew what that was. Really? It's really obvious to me. Have a sniff of that and see if you know what that is. Oh! Uh... Is it cake or popcorn? It is popcorn. Popcorn. Yeah. Popcorn. And yeah. I got I got okay. buttery popcorn the moment I sniffed anything close to there. I thought it was like a baked good, but that's kind of like yeah, it's definitely popcorn, isn't it? But it's that microwave synthetic popcorn, isn't it? It's not real popcorn. Do you know what I mean? It's that yeah. chemical that they put on microwave popcorn. That's why it's so identifiable. Has anyone got a sexual memory associated with popcorn? No. No, but uh, well, actually, <laughs> did you do the hole in the popcorn? Well, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't do it, but as a teenager in French class, we watched La Boom, 
which is a French romantic comedy for teenagers in which that very trick is pulled. Mm. Uh, for listeners who don't know, you go to the cinema with a companion, you make a hole in the bottom of the popcorn packet, mm. and you put your erect penis up through the popcorn. Yeah, it's not so advised. I'm not advising it, I'm describing it. No, I'm just... So okay. that when they then reach over to take the popcorn, they are... Surprise dick. So, one point to Alex. Hey! Um, Ollie, you scratch, your, scratch and sniff your panel. Let's make a new rule as well. Mm-hmm. If either of you get this next card wrong... We have to try sniffing one of the whiffs of doom. Okay, fine. The terrible evil cards. All right, I'm picking one now. I think I know what that is. I'm going to smell it. Hang on. Oh! I couldn't be sure whether it was oregano or rubber plimsolls. I thought basil or rosemary. It's pizza. What? Ah, that makes sense. Oh, the oregano then? Yeah, it makes sense. Pizza with herbs on it. Well, obviously I'm right then. I've been eating shit pizza. Do I get a point for that? No, you get to sniff the horrible card of doom one what? Why? well obviously because we all want to know what that's like should we open up the BO card because oh that God. does make it vaguely sexual oh, I'm curious whether they've managed to s- and on. if so how get, get the container the ready smell. so that you can stick it in this afterwards because I don't want to carry that home hang on okay are you ready to smell the smell that according to the packet instructions is called smothered in BO do I have to smell that I want to know whether it smells like BO or Does not that? I've got to get the tube home. I'm going to be doing it. don't stop scratching <laughs> Oh, fuck me. <laughs> oh, my God, that really genuinely smells like B.O. How have they done that? Oh, that's made me feel a bit sick. Oh, <laughs> Quick, put it in the packet. Put it in there. Put it in the little... Oh, that is absolutely revolting. Yeah, but... That's revol- no, that's going to live with That's going to live with me. <laughs> oh, my God. It is vaguely sexual, isn't it, Alex, in the sense that if you went up to an unwashed person and asked to sniff their private parts, that's what it would smell like. No, 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 that's, I'm that's sorry, not... sorry, I can't come like in. I'm like too a, busy crying. I put it on my nose. I can it's, still smell oh, it. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> I can still smell it. Oh, no, I'm really... I'm worried now. It's there. Happy Christmas, everybody. And well it's done. It's so horrible. I can, I can no, close the box. Well Make done to the makers away. of the game. Making it away. Whiff of shame. The makers of the game, <laughs> whatsthatsmellgame.com. You've done a good job there. We Alex, all agree. Alex is being sick. I don't know how you've generated that smell. But it oh. really does smell like BO on a card. So I can still smell it. You can, can all die happy now. It. No, get that one. Get rid of that. <laughs> and oh, that if you have a question of sex for Alex to answer in the next edition of the Foxhole, visit the feedback page <laughs> of our website. Please thoroughly deodorise your email, then go to modernmanwith2ends.co.uk. Jesus, do we have any for freeze? And with that, we have very nearly reached the end of the show. But there is just time to appoint a new ambassador. It is Alan Peake from Lowestoft, whose daughter Emma Jane says, Ollie, my dad has listened to you for years, has now managed to get the whole family to listen to The Modern Man and have weekly discussions, normally on a Wednesday, about each episode. I always struggle to work out what to buy him for Christmas because he's done so much for me. Paying for me to have private tutoring at school, funding my undergraduate degree, and now supporting me through an MSc in mental health nursing. No present I buy could repay him, but if you made him ambassador for Lowestoft, he would be chuffed. Alan Peake, consider yourself chuffed. Congratulations. Uh, Our music is by Django Django. I've been Ollie Mann, the producer Matt Hill, and we'll see you for our annual How to Be a Dad special in a couple of weeks' time. Until then, happy Christmas. 
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.